What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness podcast, I have Michaela Benson. She goes by Kayla for short. Formally, she is an online coach, personal trainer, and speaker. Informally, she is a woman sharing her experience with an autoimmune disease, namely hypothyroidism, and empowering other women to holistically take control of their well-being. Kayla supports women who are feeling confused, overwhelmed, and stuck to break free from yo-yo dieting, slaving away in the gym, and low body confidence so that they can feel confident to be seen and heard, supported and full of energy. Kayla lives in London, England, but comes from sunny Brisbane, Australia. I love her approach, her journey, and I enjoyed sharing her insights and she has the cutest accent. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Super excited to bring on Michaela Benson. She goes by Kayla, but I love the spelling of her name too. So you'll definitely want to check that out in the show notes. I, I, such a beautiful spelling of a really beautiful name. So thanks so much for being here, Kayla. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for the compliments on my name as well. It's a bit of an unusual spelling. <laughs> I love it. I always love unique names. They stand out to me. Um, Claudia, I guess, is not quite as unique as the spelling of your name, but um, but I do always appreciate a, a good unique name. So before we get started into your journey, which I'm looking forward to to diving into, let's first start with the question I ask all of my guests, which is, what does true wellness mean to you? Oh, um, yeah, so I heard this on a few of your other recordings, so I was a bit prepared for this one. Um, but yeah, I think to me, it's really about sort of mind, body, spirit, when I feel really connected to my body, especially. Um, also, when I feel um, calm, when I'm feeling positive, um, when I'm feeling motivated, driven, passionate about something really aligned with it. Um, when I'm you know, eating nutritious food, um, fueling my body in the right way. So when I'm speaking to my family in, in Australia and in South Africa regularly, I live in London. So yeah, when I feel connected to my family, all those things really feel like wellness to me. Um, yeah. And just having fun and laughing as well. Yeah. I think laughter is so important. Always really good to point that out. And I love that you approached it with you know, how do I feel when I feel like I am truly well? So it's a, that's a really interesting um, approach. And I love that you have also the various cultures as part of your life, being from Australia and also having family in South Africa and being in, in London. So lots of really uh, dynamic and rich culture in, in that. So I, I can't wait to, to dig in. So let's just start by sharing your story with the listeners, kind of just, you know, your, your wellness journey that has taken you from what seems to be a um, you know stressful, uncertain place to now feeling in a much different space. So, kind of take us through that journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's been quite a quite a long journey. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in in Brisbane in Australia, um, and yeah, I had like normal upbringing. I'm an only child, and I was always a bit of a tomboy, really into like tennis and running and all that kind of thing. And um, I think when I was about 
early 20s, so around 21, I started to experience a lot of symptoms around um, hypothyroidism. Um, and I didn't know that at the time, though. And I went from dietitian to nutritionist um, to naturopath, trying to, to my doctor, trying to work out what the issue was. And um, it took a couple of years to, to, to get the right diagnosis, I think many women experience that um, with autoimmune um, conditions and um, yeah so I finally got to an answer and I think it really came from a conversation with my mom when she was like well I have hypothyroidism your grandma has it and your aunt has it so in my case it was genetic um, but yeah it, the thing that was really concerning for me was that I felt all the symptoms that came on really quickly things like um, rapid weight gain um, losing hair um, sensitivity to cold, um, brittle nails, um, low energy, especially brain fog in the afternoon. And it hit me at a time when I was um, sort of just starting my corporate career as well. So I was in a graduate program. So it's one of those times that you really want to be like working hard, working long hours, really proving yourself. But my body wasn't letting me do that. And of course, also, you know, going out with friends and nightclubs and staying out late and all that kind of thing. My body could just not cope with that at all. Um, so, yeah, that was my kind of early experience with it. But then the journey towards, um, I don't know if healing is the right word, but because you can never completely heal from, um, and from hypothyroidism. Um, it, it will always be with me. It's a chronic condition. Um, but I think there's, I definitely feel a lot better than I did at that stage. And it's because I'm really aware of, of what I need to do to, um, to be you know, keeping my energy at a good level, to really be looking after myself. Um, and not in an obsessive way, but just in a way of being more aware of my body. Um, so yeah. And then when I was, um, 24 I moved to London and um, I think at that point I was still trying to work out how to um, how to look after my body and how to to work with the condition um, but yeah and then I guess yeah more recently in the last few years I feel really confident about it um, you know I'm on the right medication and um, you know really in terms of exercise I you know really work with my body and exercise in an intuitive way um, so yeah that's that's really where I am today. All right. Such a colorful and rich journey that I think we could really dive into a lot of details about at different parts, but let's kind of go back to, and I, and let me just say that I am so, so glad for you and all those that you were positively impacting that you are in a much better place now. I know that those listening could be really at any part of a similar journey. So maybe some people listening are at that early stage when they're just noticing symptoms and having a hard time finding the right medical team to gather the right information to get the right diagnosis. So kind of take us back to that time. You mentioned some of the symptoms that you had. Take us back to the time of seeking out the medical help and what you found um, within the medical system. So of course, now we're also talking about a different medical system than in the US. But um, yes. I, as I've talked to, to many people, it sounds <laughs> like some of the struggles uh, are, are kind of, you know, worldwide. What were you finding within the medical system there? Um, I mean, like a, the, a GP can really only do as much as, as you can share with them. And I mean, I wasn't 
um, for instance, I wasn't um, tracking my cycle at that time. So maybe, you know, looking back, I could have been tracking my cycle and sharing that information with them as well, because um, I don't think I mentioned that either. I, I, my period had gone for a time as well. And I mean, it, it was just tricky because I don't think I had um, fully comprehended all those symptoms and, and realized that I was experiencing them either because some of them can be quite subtle, like, I don't know, brittle nails. And um, Did you find when you were seeking the help and um, assistance with diagnosis and then following for treatment, were, you know, were your concerns being heard? Did, did you go through a sort of battery of tests or was it, mm-hmm. um, was it difficult to get anybody to really take the symptoms seriously and take the next steps to find the diagnosis? Yeah, I did feel like they were taking the symptoms seriously, trying to help me. Um, I did get a, um, is it an ultrasound uh, because there was suspected PCOS as well, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Did you receive the diagnosis of hypothyroidism pretty early on? And what um, kind of initial treatments either from your primary care or dietitian or you know naturopath, what were some of those initial stages of, of treatment and how did they, they work for you? Yeah, I guess I really had to drive the process um, and and to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, it, it did take a couple of years to get to it, but it was more that I think because I'd spoken to my mom about it and realized that um, hypothyroidism could have been um, a cause of it. I think I took that information to my doctor and said, do my symptoms marry up with this? Would that make sense? And they were like, yes, yes, it does. So in a way, I did feel that I had to do a fair bit of the legwork to get there. Um, but it's one of those things like, um, I think I was at the time, because I was so shocked, I'd never experienced anything like that up to that until my early 20s. Like I said, I was like a tomboy. I loved exercise. My body was always like in a very similar way. And suddenly putting on, um, sorry, you probably work in stones, but, you know, it was about 10 to 15 kilos very quickly. And um, and especially at a time in your early 20s that you're you can be quite obviously quite self-conscious and um, so to me it was it was quite a shock and the first initial way I reacted to that was doing things like running challenges which was not only making it worse because I was more tired I had less energy um, but I was trying to do you know like 10ks of running three four times a week and I was just getting absolutely exhausted and burning myself out at the same time trying to really prove myself in my new um my in my graduate role in my new job you know my first ever job so yeah it was a a really yeah confusing experience but yeah in terms of the, the I mean the healthcare they were trying to help me as much as possible and one of the great things was actually once I moved and I started working with a dietitian and I had I don't know if you've heard of the term orthorexia Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think I was definitely experiencing that because I became quite obsessive over things like, um, you know, going to Whole Foods and um, only eating in a really certain way. I had convinced myself that I was gluten free, um, and working with a dietitian really took me back to basics in terms of 
um, not being so obsessive over what kind of food I was eating and yeah, really just taking me back to basics. I think that's a perfect segue into talking about this. Um, I know that on your website, you mentioned it too, but you talk about avoiding extremes and finding a more balanced sort of 360 approach to wellness. So what does, and you've already started mentioning that, but what does that look like for you in your own life? And what is your advice for people who might be stuck in those extremes? So you kind of mentioned, you know, kind of going to the extreme of over-exercising and under-eating and and not understanding that there's a balance. So what does that, you know, kind of, what does that look like in your life now that you've sort of struck that balance? And then what is your advice for the many people who I know are stuck in that cycle of, of those extremes? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think one of the, I mean, looking back and now I know this, um, but while I was doing those running challenges, I also wasn't eating enough to even fuel myself through those running challenges. So really seeing food as, as both something that could be, you know, it's nourishing my body and also fueling my body. Um, you know, I love food, love um, tasty food especially, but I think also to add that dimension in there that I needed to be eating the right amount of calories to, to fuel the exercise that I was doing at the same time. But yeah, in terms of that 360 approach, it's so important. Um, I think especially I underrated um, and I I do put an emphasis on this today in terms of like um, my mindset and I'm really especially exercising um, when I exercise I'm thinking about things like um, you know what is my reason for exercising today is it is it um, you know is there something to do with mental health is it that I want to approach in an intuitive way when I say that, I mean by exercising in a way that I'm, uh, you know, really grateful for my body and what it can do. And I think the the way I've really changed my mindset around that is especially being really grateful for what my body can do and approaching it in that way. I do really love your um, your concept of exercising in an intuitive way. Did you find that approach sort of on your own through? through doing it in a much more sort of excessive way and then coming back to more of a grounded way? Or was that something that you learned from one of your mentors or coaches? Uh, Good question. Um, I really came to it myself, really. Um, I mean, I've had, you know, a few coaches in the past and and it always focused on exercise programs and that kind of thing. But the thing I found that worked the the best for me was yeah to exercise in that that intuitive way so that's things especially like when I wake up in the morning I really tune into my body through meditation and do a body scan I think this is quite common and many people um, in the industry talk about it but that scan from top to bottom or bottom to top of your body and really um, tuning into where there might be areas of pain or, or really just sensing like how much energy I have. And uh, I think particularly for, for women who are listening to this podcast today, especially around working with your, your period cycle. So things like your estrogen is higher uh, midway through your cycle and ovulation. So you might have more energy at that point. However, perhaps in your luteal phase or during your period, you might be lower on energy. And so really to feel into those times um, where it might be better to take a rest day or to do Tai Chi or something or uh, a relaxing form of yoga. So yeah, that's, that's really what's 
changed my approach. And today, like I think in, in the past, like we talked about extremes, I used to aim for sort of six to seven times a week of exercise, which obviously almost every day, but really I've taken that back down to, to more like um, three to four times a week or, or really just depending on the week or like I said, at what point at what point in my cycle I'm at. You talked about that the mindset piece is very underrated and I think that it's coming more to light now, but it's always important to to point that out because that really is kind of the key to everything. There's no, mm. even, even me being a pharmacist, I can tell you there's no magic pill for anything uh, if, you, if you don't have the other pieces aligned and in place. So I think these are all really good points. What would you say are some of the things that they should start to focus on, start to shift in their life? Because a lot of these things can feel overwhelming if somebody's not used to meditating or they're not used to, you know, more moderate and intuitive exercise. It all feels like too much all at once. So um, what are some of the prioritized shifts you could recommend to somebody sort of early on in their wellness journey? Mm, that's such a good question. And um, two thoughts that popped into my mind as you're making that remark, and it's especially around, um, you said there's there's no magic pill, but also equally when you Google and have a look around like um, what support there's out there for, for people with hypothyroidism, on a superficial level, you'll often see things like what's a superfood that's going to fix it. I know on my, on my Instagram feed, I um, follow a hashtag for hypothyroidism and it's always coming up but like uh, you know this magic seaweed that's going to heal you and it's just not the case and, and it really is that bigger mindset piece and that three, three, 360 approach that is going to be more effective and especially around the other thing I, that came to mind is around if you're working in a you know equally a corporate role a professional role and you've got a really stressful job and you're working you know eight nine ten hours a day it might not necessarily be the best approach to do a really high intensity exercise right after you have that stressful day at work so yeah it's really like I said before tuning into your body and and thinking about exercise that complements what you've been doing that day potentially you know something more restorative after that stressful day might be more effective um, but in terms of support to 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 someone who might be yeah early on in their diagnosis or, or just discovering or potentially around the same age that I was it's quite tricky actually because hormonal imbalances are not necessarily associated with 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 young people and so there is sort of different support out there and and I think one of the yeah the, the things that helped me the most is is yeah focusing on that nutrition piece especially so eating a broad range of vegetables but not focusing on what you can cut out but thinking about what you can introduce as well and like I said before that um, thinking about food that fuels what you're doing and not focusing too much on the calories but thinking more about the the nutrition side and that's quite odd for maybe a personal trainer to be saying not not to worry about the calories but I think there really is a potential um, when you're experiencing things like rapid weight gain or a, um, a fluctuation in your weight it is quite natural to to become quite obsessive but I don't yeah I didn't it's not it's not the right approach and probably um, another thing is to think about 
how you're, you set boundaries in your life as well. And that's particularly between um, your work and your personal life. I think now that we're so connected, work laptops at home, I, um, in my role, I'm always carrying my laptop around because I'm usually, when not in lockdown, going between many offices. So I'm always taking it home. I've always got my work phone on me, but I set really clear boundaries by turning it off at a certain time. And I think that's, that's certainly what I found with my managers that's really respected and they um, respect it more because they know I will be like that with clients as well because I have strong boundaries yeah to to really think about your your limits and how your um how your energy levels may fluctuate and to really capitalize on the times when you feel in in flow and when you're in a really good energy but then equally when you're feeling low energy to 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 know when to shut off and when to stop i i like to think and it might sound a bit it might sound a bit corny but i like to think that my hypothyroidism is actually my superpower in a way because it really tells me when when to shut off when i'm at low energy when i really need to be focusing in on myself and focusing in on self care and and also um to when you have thoughts about say focusing in on your weight and because I know that the fluctuation in weight and the rapid weight gain can 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 be really concerning and can be um uh, but in in that case yeah really thinking about how you can be grateful for your body and and what it can do and really taking a like a sustainable approach to any kind of um, exercise program. So it comes really back to those extremes again, coming to a more sustainable approach made a world of difference um, for me. Yeah, really great advice. A, lot, a few things that stand out for me are I love that you pointed out the sort of um, analogy and correlation with the superfood concept, because I do think that now that there is sort of a a much more generalized understanding that medications aren't the end all be all, although they do have their place. So now the industry is, okay, well, here's the superfood that's the end all be all. And um, so I, I love that you pointed that out, that although nutrition is important, you know, no one food is going to solve all of our problems either. And I also love the mindset shift around hypothyroidism and it not being sort of your enemy or this fight that you're fighting, but rather the signal or the alarm or the warning that just is sort of a a gentle reminder to you to, you know, take that much more holistic approach and step back and do self-care. And um, I think when we can see our process of healing in a way that is for us and not against us and our bodies are not trying to be against us and we don't have to you know fight the fight but rather listen and um, give our bodies the the nutrients nutrition the resources it needs to act in the best way that it knows how to act because i think our bodies are so resilient and they really do so much more for us than we even give it credit for. So that gratitude piece being important to talk a little bit about how different you feel now with the approach you've taken in, in this very holistic way versus how you felt back in, you know, in your early twenties when you were just noticing the symptoms and um, sort of that, that contrast of how, much more effectively your body is functioning and the benefit that all of these 
practices have had on your body? Mm, such a good question. I Yeah, I feel vastly different. I mean, I just turned 30 in February. Um, so we're now talking, you know, nine, almost 10 years on. But yeah, I feel more confident. I feel more sure of myself. I feel uh, I, like I, when I look back, I can't believe that I used to like obsess over food and my weight and it was it was time that was invested in in something that was just really not serving me yeah so definitely there's there's a piece around there around self-confidence and being more certain of myself and especially confident in the way I look after my body Um, I think I used to turn to like Google, Instagram, any kind of advice that I could find and flip between, you know, exercise program to exercise program. But now I'm more certain about I've found the right approach for me, which really works for especially women with a hormonal imbalance. Yeah, I love the piece of, you know, feeling more confident and certain. Um, I think that it's that scary fear, you know, anxiety ridden time when we don't know why we're feeling this way and why our body, you know, we feel like our body is turning against us. And um, when you get kind of to the point of of balance and confidence, you can you can move forward in a much more peaceful peaceful way. So what are you hoping that women listening or even men too, but what are you hoping that that the listeners would take away from this and how are you moving forward with potentially working with others on their wellness journey? So what's, what's kind of your plans for the future and what are you hoping? Yeah, definitely. I guess, yeah, the first part of your question to um, yeah, any women or men with hormonal imbalances who are listening I think really, I know it sounds corny, but you're not alone. And it, it is, I understand it's becoming more and more more common. But I think especially, yeah, to, to really think about those, avoiding those extremes and finding an approach that works for you. And and really thinking about like when you, especially, I, I know we've talked about a lot today, but when you go to exercise, think about your intentions and why you're exercising and think about if you're, if, you know, the, the exercise that you're planning to do matches the energy levels that you have as well. And yeah, like I said before, like really going with the the cycle of your body and and capitalizing on times when you have more energy and then um, especially listening to your body when it says no. I think that's that's a really gray area, which is, um, you know, when you might be forcing yourself to exercise when your body's saying, I'm absolutely not up for this. So really detecting when there's a clear no from your body. In terms of um, the future and yeah, how how I'm working with clients is yeah, really around that 360 approach. Um, for me, it's not just about an exercise program and and you know you, you may get a coach for accountability, but I think it's also about really yeah, changing your approach and changing the intention as well, and and really that mindset piece. I think it's been so underrated until until now and especially um, the way that stress affects our bodies. I mean just to speak about some tips around especially um, stress and and managing that I think you probably had other people come onto the podcast and talk about meditation I'm guessing. Mm-hmm, yeah a few. Yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I I'm actually quite new to meditation myself. I've started doing it in the last few months in a very consistent way. Um, and especially f- since the start of the year. And honestly, it's been like an absolute godsend through lockdown as well. But I think if if anyone's listening and they're resistant to meditation, I say my 
my my advice to them is really just to, to give it a go and even like push through the resistance it, it there's just so many benefits to it and especially if you have a hormonal imbalance i really notice the days if i forget to meditate in the morning i, I feel you know a little bit um, anxious i don't feel as grounded so yeah i would highly recommend some kind of meditation practice and it doesn't even have to be you know it doesn't have to be long at all. It can be 10 minutes. And, and I think, yeah, it's a really good way to, to ground yourself in the morning. Yeah. I think that, I, I think it's really valuable that you mentioned that you're, you're newer to it. I'm newer to it too in the last, maybe, I don't know, two years. And I still feel like a novice, but I, yeah. um, but it's, it's such an amazing practice that requires so little, you know, it really requires nothing. It doesn't require money. You can get free apps. You can just, you know, pay attention to your breath. I mean, there, you know, we, we pay for a lot of services to get to a state of peace and meditation is always there when we need it. Um, and when we want it. So I, I, I encourage the listeners to, to certainly listen to you and take your advice because I think meditation is so, so valuable. I really appreciate you spending the time today, Kayla, to share your journey and your insights. I really loved so many points that you, that you set out and laid out for us. I love the idea of intuitive exercise and specifically one of the final things that you said about around paying attention to if your energy level matches the exercise you're about to do, because I know even for myself and I know, you know, even for my friends often we'll find ourselves, you know, coming from a state of exhaustion and saying, let's go for a run, you know, with like that doesn't seem to match. And so maybe we would be better off doing something, you know, a little bit less lower impact or yoga, or maybe not, maybe, maybe we're so exhausted. We don't feel like we can be physically active, but we can, we can, you know, work out our mind and meditate. And so I think that those are important pieces that it is valuable to restate in case people miss it as they listened the first time. So thank you again for spending this time with us. I will have your links in the show notes, but if you want to just end by letting people know where they can find you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I love your summary there. That's absolutely spot on. To find me, um, the best place is on Instagram. I'm at wellbeing underscore with underscore Kayla. So it's C-A-E-L-A, -E but um, you'll see that in the show notes, the funny spelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending your time today. And I always love a good accent. So thanks for sharing your accent as well. <laughs> and um, of course, I wish you the best as you continue on your journey. And thank you for paying it forward by giving your advice to others as well. Thank you. No worries at all. Thanks for having me on. Avoiding extremes, paying attention to your body, all great reminders. Thank you, Kayla, for coming on today and sharing these insights with our listeners. I look forward to bringing you many more amazing topics, including my 100th episode coming so soon. I am so excited to bring you that one as well. So stay tuned and I'll see you here again next time.